HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. The Big Food Question is partnering with TD Bank on five special episodes about the resilience of small businesses in the face of a constantly shifting pandemic landscape. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kara Warren, and today on the show, we have Caroline Hosettler, uh, an expert of all things Alpine cheese and director of Adopt an Alp program. Hey, Caroline, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're, I'm so excited to have you here. Correct me on the last name, though, because I should have asked you beforehand, and it's Swiss, and all things Swiss seem to foul me up. How do you say your last name properly? Best is to say only my first name. That's much easier. But, <laughs> oh, my. Okay, <laughs> all right. My last name is Hostetler. Hostetler. Okay, there we go. Much better. I should have asked you beforehand. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Well, welcome. Welcome. We're very happy to have you here. Um, We're we're happy because you have instituted the Adopt and Out program, uh, which is how long has it been running for now? Uh, We started in 2013. We had a little um, run out of time in 2014, and then it really took off in 2015. Oh wow. And and now that the program has started, are you excited for it this year that you've had it for this this long now? Is it is it still exciting? Oh yeah, it's still exciting. It's getting more exciting almost every year. Um COVID actually has helped us a lot because, you know, people suddenly were just longing for all those things that in the Alps naturally happen every single day. You have the connection to, to the food, to the nature, you have animal welfare, um, sustainability, traceability of the food. So it's gotten a, a real new perspective through all the past two years, basically. And there's every year more and more people involved on the farmer side, but also from the um, uh, consumers. So it's it's really nice, yes. 
So, okay. I was going to say, I noticed there's 33 farms participating on the website. So a lot to track, a lot to maintain and (laughs) and figure out who gets what. Um, For the listeners, can you explain how the program works? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very simple. Basically, we approach potential customers, mainly stores, restaurants, caterers, in the spring and early summer, mostly before the farmers go up to the Alps for the summer in order to make cheese. And uh, the customer can pick one or more Alps. With picking, we make sure that in his area or region, he is the only one with those Alps. Um, And from his side, when he picks his Alps, he reserves a certain amount of cheese that we he then will take in the fall. And the really fun part about this whole thing is that throughout the summer, from the moment on, a customer knows what Alps he will be working with in the fall. They can follow their Alp, so their people, their animals, their cheese throughout the whole summer um, on the website, on a blog, and also on social media. So they can build a real connection and understanding for what's happening on everyday life on the Alp. Wow. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of information to share when, when you're, so are you matchmaking the, the cheese shops and the Alps? <laughs> Do How does that work? Cause it's, it's a lot. I know the general cheese names within, you know, there's Sprints, there's Emmentaler, there's Gruyere, Raclette. And then I'm sure the cheese shop or the restaurant is like, I know I like this cheese, but which family do I choose? Like, how do you help them figure that out? Yeah, that's that's very right with how you're seeing that. Well, it is um, a very time intense program. It's basically custom made for for and with each customer. It's not that I can just print a nice brochure in the spring and say, hey, look what we have. It really, we we need to find what the customer is looking for, uh, the aspects that matter to them. I have people who tell me, I want the female cheesemaker, or I'm uh, part of a co-op. I want to support a co-op. Some tell me that their grandfather has been in this and that region of Switzerland. Do we have an out from there? So it's all very individual and subjective. So it's many, many phone calls. Sometimes when you can, we sit down and we say, look, what is important for you? What, what do you want to do and create around and with the program? And according to those answers, we then narrow down the options. It's uh, oh. it's very fascinating because there have been relationships really growing and friendships even. And I have customers who communicate with their families and, and send them emails and send them photos. So it's really it's really touching and, and very emotional. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would imagine. I mean, I've seen um, even in the descriptions on the website, you mention a lot about the families, the farm families that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their children, their their marriages, because it seems it's a very intimate relationship you're setting up. It is. And, you know, to me, when, when I talk about Alp cheese, um, it's much more than just the product, the end product, the edible part of the program. There's so much involved. People 
have to understand what those farmers really do during those three to four months in the summer. I mean, they are they are stewards of the land up there. The animals are stewards of the land. Most most meadows would be completely overgrown if not every summer those cows and sheep and goat would go up there and literally take care of, of the matter. Then there is the economic side, the ecological side. Um, and to me, one very important part of going to the Alp is those families. Um, imagine three generations working next to each other and together, uh, little children watching their grandparents, their parents do the daily chores, having their own little chores already, being part of a team, having little responsibilities. It is so um, cleansing and so sane and humbling. And I always say in the Alps, you can't you know, become dumb or or lazy or just <laughs> <laughs> spoiled. It's just, it's not possible. And to me, this is a very important part. Yeah, I, I could social see. social life. I could see that. Um, and it's good to hear the generations, the, um, the younger generations are staying in Switzerland to continue to make these cheeses. Um, I know it's not always the case in every country now. Um, well, and it's not, it's not, the same everywhere you know they they also do have um hard times sometimes finding successors or finding people who go and help out for only three or four months because not every um boss that that gives you a job wants you to leave for the summer and then just come back so um but yes it's very encouraging to see that there are young people still willing to do this and um, even though every year a little less people and animals go on a little less farms or huts up in the Alps, um, on the other side, the, the value of the product goes up in, in estimation. So people are willing to pay more for an Alp cheese every year. So this is an encouragement and a motivation for the young people to continue and to maybe invest at a time where, you know, it seems expensive, like maybe you're in the situation that you need, need a new vat or a new roof on your house. And if people see that we value what they're doing, they're, it's easier for them to continue than to say, you know what, just forget about and sell the sell the milk year round to the same big company or dairy so sure to, to be practical or to be an artisan it's always a battle i'm sure especially in the swiss uh culture um have you seen a change in the alpine market in the last five years uh, a lot or has it been well I, I, you tell me has it changed a lot um, not, let's say, product-wise, even though there are um, farmers who, besides the classic Alp cheese, there's their everyday cheese that they create, have come up with um, little specialties, like there's a lot of small-sized goat milk cheeses that are very popular. Uh, I have a full moon cheese in the program that is only made during full moon nights, so three or four nights per summer, 
in the light of the moon. So there's no electrical or candle light when he makes the cheese. And the maker speaks of this very unique and, and different relationship that he develops to the milk and to the curds that, it, that start forming. And he calls it like something mystical. So there are product-wise uh, not very uh, much changes, but a lot from the lifestyle and from the marketing perspectives of the farmers. Um, they are getting very creative, especially younger people who take over maybe for them for from their parents and already have children. Um, they have come up with very great ideas to have a little side business be besides just selling cheese directly from the Alp or then in the fall at the markets. Um, we have Alps that arrange nice brunches every single Sunday morning, and they're very popular. We have Alps that offer um, way bath outdoors, like a spa <laughs> almost oh, wow. experience. Yeah, this is super cool. It happens in a, in a wooden vat, you know, and you have the way that you bathe in, and that's very um, popular wow. for like bachelorette parties and such. Oh my goodness, it's getting crazy uh, in Switzerland there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my we goodness. Have um, Alps that, that do um, work with the tourism office down in the valley. Um, for instance, they arrange fondue nights on also full moon nights. And you go up by either a bus or you hike or there's a cable car. And then on the Alp, they, they get dinner, they have the sunset, everything. And then they go down on a, on a scooter. And they just put the scooter down by the tourism office. So there's a lot of little things going on. And, and just, um, you know, to combine tradition and innovation, I think, will be the way of the future and to keep this life up and, and alive, really. I, I'm very excited. I'm going to keep paying attention to Switzerland because there's always the classic cheeses, but I'm glad to hear like the moon cheese, the mystical cheese. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's inspiring. I'm, I'm excited to try that when I, when I hope I get to see it on the East coast here. Um, I I'd like to bring it back to one of the, the old king of cheeses of Switzerland, which is Sprints, because I know we talked about it before a tiny bit. How would you describe Sprints cheese to the listeners? Um, Sprints, when you when people hear hear the name Sprints, then if they know what it is, they say, "Oh, that's like the Parmigiano, right?" Mm -hmm. So it is very similar size wise, um, recipe wise. Um, the look-wise, the big difference between a sprints and a Parmigiano is that sprints is made of whole milk and Parmigiano is um, partially skim milk. That is the biggest difference. When you have a cut-open wheel or drum of Parmigiano next to a sprints, then you see the sprints is much more yellow, much deeper in color, more golden. The Parmigiano is more pale, more ivory colored. Um, so they are both cheeses 
that, you know, go back really to the time when cheese was made in order to conserve milk. They're both cheeses that can be left out for many, many hours without really going bad in any way. Um, They're old-fashioned cheeses. And in Switzerland, we are saying that the Sprints is the grandfather of the Parmigiano. And, <laughs> That's and, very smart. <laughs> and I don't know what the Italians tell about the sprint. So I would I, just, I would love to see that. I would love to hear an Italian retort right now. But yeah, yeah. we we have the the saying is that sprints um, was born in an area, a wide area of Switzerland that we call central Switzerland. So it's literally geographically, it is the center, the the middle area of Switzerland. And that is also the area where the Alps start. And this cheese was made north of the Alps. And um, the, the stories go that the people, the farmers, they used to go twice a year in the fall and in the spring across the Alps down to Ticino in Italy, and they would trade cheese for rice and wine and grains. And Northern Italians were very, very good customers. This was basically the first export product of Switzerland that became a hit was the Sprint. And so we say that the the Italians then later started making the Parmigiano Reggiano, their their version of a sprint. <laughs> oh wow. I feel like that's a definite short story novel that like if you got more details into it, it could be very, very interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, it it is a, a super interesting cheese. And I'm very, very fond of this cheese. Um, just because of its very rich history, because it's a beautiful cheese to to eat, of course, but it is so fascinating. There is still a route in Switzerland that actually for the past 20 years has been reactivated, and it is um, the the bootleg path, it's called in, in Swiss German. And they go, people can go and people can join just for one day or can do the whole seven days from the oldest cave of Sprint's cheese in Switzerland with um, horses and tents. They pass those Alps in seven days and go down to Domodossola in Italy, like, like the farmers used to do many, many years ago. And it's actually, by now, it's, it's a very popular um, vacation week for not just Swiss, but many, many tourists. Oh, Wow. I yeah. had I had no idea. This is amazing. This it's is very like another. Impressive, yeah. Are you are you going to be leading the tour? Are you? <laughs> are, are, I are have you? been. I've been part, and it's really, really, you know, people of all ages and all, let's say, fitness uh, levels go, and so some really cannot even master a whole day, and then others go and say, I want to do the whole week. I want to do it with my own horse, and then train and practice beforehand. And then, if they are unlucky, they get a, a week full of rain and just cold oh, yeah. and wet, and it's really, really tough. And it it shows you you just get an ima- imagination of what those people used to do. I mean, they carried their cheeses in in wood boxes, you know, that they put on the horses' backs, left and right, there were and, those wheels. And it's how how big? How big are those wheels? Like 70 pounds. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's really, that's very heavy. Um, yeah. 
And then you, you mentioned uh, cave aging. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about the cave aging process at all? Oof, how long do we have? I can no. go on it. <laughs> well, the, no. the, 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 no. the good, fun version, you know. Yes. So, no, the <laughs> sprint is only aged by two um, different aging houses in Switzerland. And one is a very small one, and the other one ages about 80% of all sprints. Now, sprints is an AOP cheese with very strict rules and the rule book. Um, so always, you know, um, produced in the same manners with the same rennet and so on. And that one, the large um, aging house is very, very fascinating. There's um, 25 producers of Sprints AOP left in Switzerland. And eight of those, they make Alp Sprints. So they only make that cheese when they're up in the mountains in the summer. And they all bring their cheeses down to the communal cellar. This is a, an incredibly old house um, located in Luzerne, right on a river. And it used to be a mill. It used to be a cheese making factory. And it is located on three levels, of which three, all three are below um, the ground. And because it's such an old building, it consists of 62 different rooms on wow. those three levels. <laughs> okay. and, and in those rooms, at all times, there are between 50 and 60,000 wheels or drums of sprints wow. kept. So imagine with 62 rooms, it's impossible that... There is a system like a computerized system that will move the cheeses so that always the oldest ones are in the in the closest rooms. So it it is a very old fashioned system that they keep track of what cheese is where and what cheese is how old and in what stage. It, in a book, literally, those people who work in those caves, the affineurs. They work with pencil and book to say, okay, now today we moved those 17 cheeses in room number 28. They will stay there until they are 26 months. It's unbelievable. When you see this, it's crazy. And there is not one single robot. Every wheel is washed and turned and smeared by hand. Um, There is only one type of linen that is allowed to to brush the cheeses. And this type of linen never makes it out of that aging cage. They give the affineurs um, coats and the towels and everything else. They give those to an outer washing service. They have an old little washing machine in the cave and the linen towels only are washed there. They are like sacred. Oh my God. It's just something (laughs) very, very (laughs) impressive when you see it. It's almost like when you see a downhill ski race, you never get the idea how fast these people really are on their skis. And if you have not seen this cave, you cannot really get the whole picture of how impressive this system is. But it's a it's a beautiful cheese, a wonderful cheese. Oh my goodness. I, I've learned so much from you in these last few minutes. I had no idea um, about sprints before. Um, I'm I'm excited to learn more from you. We're going to take a 
quick, quick break. Um, everyone, you're listening to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network, and we will be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-U-S-A dot com. The Big Food Question is partnering with TD Bank on five special episodes about the resilience of small businesses in the face of a constantly shifting pandemic landscape. We cover avenues for accessing grants, loans, and financial services through federal and local government programs, as well as via nonprofits. We examine the benefits worker cooperatives present to workers, communities, and our food system, and share resources to learn more about operating under this model. We're talking to business owners who started pop-ups and became permanent during the pandemic to see what we can learn. Don't miss these episodes. Subscribe to The Big Food Question wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to TD Bank for supporting this programming. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd. We are here with Caroline of Adopt an Alp and Quality Cheese. That's also her company, which is specializes in importing Alpine cheeses. Um, Caroline, I wanted to go on next because you've just taught us so much um, on the first half of the program. Um, I wanted to go on about drink pairings because I feel like a part of Swiss culture has to do with like their pairings and, and sort of like like for ex- example sprint is like a super aged cheese it's very hard so like what would you pair that with uh, for like a drink per se well sprints also in this regard is one of my favorites because i always refer to it as probably the most versatile cheese to pair drinks with it's it is so incredibly um wide open you can do a beverage pairing session with only sprints as a cheese and you will not have one thing that really doesn't doesn't match sprints probably due to its high fat content seems just to adapt um, to anything you put with it so what we are doing or like to do is we start out 
Um, we break sprints in little pieces. We call them gold nuggets. We never cut sprints. When it's a very, very old one, probably over three years, we shave it into paper-thin layers on a wooden tool called a hobble, a shaver. Um, imagine like a mandolin, but made of wood. And it's just made to shave um, sprints and hobble cheese. And so those paper-thin layers, they will naturally curl up into big rolls that then look like very manly cigars. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. So what we like to do is start with bubbles, a champagne, a cava, whatever you like, and then move from a drier, lighter white wine to something more fruity. You can pair rosés. You can do a lighter Pinot Noir, something very elegant. You can do a big, fat um, Cabernet and everything in between. And then you can move on to dessert wines, um, sweet dessert wines like a Sauterne. Um, and you can do um, the a port, uh Whatever. It's really, really super versatile. And uh, if you do this, uh, almost a horizontal drink pairing experience with sprints will show you how how super easy this cheese is. Um, Generally, in Switzerland, people drink a lot of white wine with um, cheese, almost more than red wine. We have some grapes and and. Um, hybrids that only grow in Switzerland, like uh, Chassela is a very famous one. That's also in France. Um, Riesling Silvaner is one that is not sweet at all and makes for a very fruity, floral um, wine. So there's a lot of of, um, Swiss wines that go really, really well with multiple types of of cheeses. But uh, Sprints is the king for, for making pairings. So I wanted to ask you, because we've talked so much about sprints now, what is the easiest way for people to find sprints? Um, yeah, what what is the best way for them to find the it now? Best, the best way is to go to a good cheese shop and say, no, you do not want Parmigiano-Reggiano. Please get <laughs> me some sprints. <laughs> no, we have, we have a, a not just um, here in the States, even in Switzerland, sprints is a hard sell. Because it is a very long age cheese, sprints by AOP rule cannot be sold before the age of 24 months. So imagine to take care of a big 70 pound drum of cheese. Um, that takes a lot of space. It takes a lot of manpower, a lot of time. So the cheese is expensive and it's a whole milk cheese. It's raw milk. It's beautiful. Um, labor in Switzerland is um, more expensive than over here. So all in all, it's an it's an expensive cheese because it's a great cheese. Mm-hmm. And so Switzerland, the Sprints organization is a very small organization with not much marketing material or budget or anything. And we have the big brother Parmigiano Reggiano that has a lot of support. So it is mm-hmm. hard to, you know, to stand next to the Italian um, brother that is way less expensive, but it's worth it. And even if it's just for a special occasion, um, it's just a beautiful cheese. 
and and there's a few there are importers bringing it into the US it does exist yeah here. oh yeah. yes it does yeah yeah it does especially in the with adopt and alp the program i have a lot of people um you know who go for they say we want something that's special that's unique that's very swiss and if you cannot sample the cheeses before which is the case with adopt and alp because some alps don't have cheese left from the summer before Others, I say, look, um, if I give you a cheese from a, let's say, mild year, and then this summer will be a strong summer, then you're disappointed. So what's the point of samples? These cheeses vary so much. But if you want to have an about idea of what you will be getting, then go with an AOP cheese, like a Gruyere. You, you know about what to expect from a Gruyere or a Vacheron for Bourgeois or a Raclette or a sprint. So yes, it is available. Absolutely. And they even have come up in recent years with, you know, like you can get eighths of a wheel, which are much more handy than a whole wheel, also easier to sell. Um, so yeah, we, we can get sprints. Who wants sprints can get it. And else you can call me. I will make sure you get some. <laughs> yes. I was going to say they have to go to an uh, adoptanalp.com to yeah. find it. So, okay, perfect. Or, or on the Instagram. I know you're also on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, are there any other Swiss cheeses that you're promoting or want to promote in the next few years that you see um, need more love as well? Well, yeah, there is always, you know, Alps that come new to the program and they have, let's say, just one kind of cheese and it's called Alp cheese. And then you see a list with 33 Alps and each one has one cheese called Alp cheese and you cannot taste them. So, you know, the 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 clue to selling cheese as a farmer in Adopt and Alp really is to communicate really well with me. The more photos I can post, the more little stories I can tell, the more glimpses the customers and the end clientele of these customers get into that everyday life that's going on up there and it's reality and it's not just rosy and not just bad it's an in-between a mix of things and situations but situations that we as city people never really face and not even can imagine. And that's why it's so important to share those everyday glimpses because people can build a respect and understanding for what the farmers do. The farmers, on the other hand, get an idea on how hard it is here for people to sell a cheese that is so small production, so handmade, so artisan. They have to tell the stories. They have to be able to share moments and pictures and videos. Yeah, so I would, yeah. There are, there are always Alps that could use a little more love, but usually they develop over the course of time. And, you know, one one year goes better than the next. That's how it usually goes. It takes a little patience. They never know. I tell them, look, it doesn't cost anything. You can get on board. The more you tell me, the more photos you send us, the better you're off. Um, and there's just no guarantee. I never know what customer comes around the corner and says, hey, I want 60 wheels from him or her. So, you know, it takes sometimes a little patience, but... That's okay. 
Yeah, a little patience and a little risk. That's very that's yeah. very nice of you to do. Um, uh, do you think uh, North American specialty cheese markets, are they becoming more open to Alpine cheeses? Yes, I think, you know, the more in the beginning, the, the term Alp or Alpine is very confusing because mm-hmm. uh, the, the Alps are a mountain chain in Switzerland and other European countries, but they are not the only places Alp cheeses are made. Alp cheeses also are made in the Pyrenees, in the Jura, and so forth. And then Alpine often is mixed up with real Alp. An Alp cheese has two definitions or to fulfill two definitions. One, it's always a cheese that is highly farmstead. There's no transporting of the milk. There's no mixing of batches of milk. It's just where the animals graze and the farmers live and work. That's where an alp is. It's one spot on a mountain. So a mountain can have many alps. The other one is uh, alp cheese is always, always made seasonally only. A cheese that is produced year-round never is an alp cheese. And people have the tendency to mix up those terms, alpine cheese. Alpine cheese is nothing. It's a it's a term that's created over here, but it's very, very confusing. That's why I usually like to play the bad girl who <laughs> tells people <laughs> there's no alpine cheese. Either it's an alp cheese or it's any other cheese. So, oh wow, that is yes, contra- that is controversial. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. And but what? Why I am so strict with this? And um, and so on the point, and always on people's toes, um, is that you know I want those Alp farmers. When you go up there, um, I don't want to glorify their life, and I don't want to horrify it. You know, it what it's what it is. But one fact is that they work in complete different circumstances than any cheesemaker who works even in a small village dairy. It's just completely different. You never have all the tools that you need. You never have, you know, everything is like in a machine or in steps. It's you on this alp with a bunch of animals, usually also animals from friend farmers who don't have their own hut. So, Everything is more marked by lack than by luxury. And it takes much more um, determination and time. And it's real hand work that they do up there. So I want people to understand that there must be a difference in price. For many of these alp farmers, it's harder to produce five wheels a day than it is for a a valley farm to produce 500 a day. It's just because the circumstances are different and there's more limitations. And so to me, it's very important to point out, look, this is an industrial cheese. Um, It's made on 500 meters altitude versus 2000 meter. It's made year round. It has machines in there and up there you have a little vat in the midst of the kitchen over a wood fire, it's just different. And to me, everything has its price and the consumer pays what he gets and gets what he pays. 
and I want that these farmers get what they deserve. Yeah, I, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better than that. And it, and it's such an interesting uh, part of the industry that not everyone is as transparent about. So I thank you for telling uh, the listeners out there about it because these are very special cheeses, um, these Alp cheeses, and I'm going to remember that now for the rest of my life. Actually, thank you. That's yeah. nice. See, yeah. I love that. So, so uh, Caroline, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, it was my pleasure, and I hope everyone now says Alp cheese. That would be so fantastic. Yes, you heard it. You heard it awesome. first here on Cutting the Curd. Yes. Um, I want to give a, a little special thank you to uh, World's Best Cheese for encouraging me to do this episode. Thank you, Steve Gellert. Um, and I just also want to say, please follow us on Instagram um, at Cutting the Curd. You can also follow Caroline at Adopt an Alp. And you can follow me at Kara Warren. So please listen and subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, thanks and eat more cheese. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.